0: Hello and welcome to Amplify. Music there from Ian Wilson, the title track of the album Totemic by Alex Petku and Nathan Sherman from Ergados Records. This album was released during this year's New Music Dublin Festival, which took place at the end of April. And on this week's episode, we're featuring some of the interviews which we recorded during the festival. Later, you'll hear from Gareth Shaldis, one of the co-directors of Ergados Records. But first, I'm joined once again by CMC director Yvonne Ferguson. Hi, Yvonne. Hi,
1: hey, Jonathan. Great to be back on Amplify.
0: So we're going to be hearing first about two of the events which took place at this year's festival, the Contemporary Music Centre and Chamber Choir Ireland's partnership Choral Sketches and Crash Ensemble's Crash Works. And Yvonne, there are a lot of similarities with these events, aren't there?
1: Uh, Definitely, Jonathan. I mean, both events, the Choral Sketches performance read-through and the Crash Ensemble's Crash Works workshop stroke performance read through, they were events that really offered audiences, I felt, insight into the compositional process. Um, There was feedback from the performers who were involved, the composers were talking about their works, the conductors were talking about the works and their collaboration with the performers. So in both of these events, the Choral Sketches and the Crash Ensemble's Crash Works, it was really a great chance for composers to engage with audiences. Um, That's both, of course, a thrill. And a big challenge as well, you know, talking about your work and conveying ideas about your work to audiences, and for us as being in the audience, a real, a real privilege, you know, to to hear sketches of works at different stages. Uh, the coral sketches works quite a good bit down the line. This was the performance read-through. There was a pause in this project, of course, because of COVID, recommenced in November with a workshop. But all the over and back between the co- the composers and the singers of Chamber Choir Ireland really leading to um, almost finished works at the performance read-through. But uh, I suppose still some tweaks that that the composers want to do. And with the crash works, absolutely fascinating to hear um, where those works are at and how the composers have been working working very closely with the performers in Crash to develop those works and the different sound worlds that they want to create. So fascinating events, Um, you know, not traditional performances and concerts, um, but very different events. And I got great feedback from people that I talked to after both events that they really loved getting that insight.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I'd fully agree with that. It was great to see the, you know, almost the, you know, the live kind of feedback from the performers and the conductor and the composer, and the, that interaction between the composer and and the musicians was was fascinating to see. So we'll hear now a selection of interviews recorded during both of these events. First off, choral sketches. You'll hear from composers Peter Moran, David Bremner and Kerry Hagan, along with composer and Chamber Choir Ireland member Owen Desmond. And after this, you'll hear from two of the composers who participated in the Crashworks project, Sam Macdonald and Amy Rooney, as well as the conductor, Peter Billowen. But we begin with New Music Dublin Artistic Director John Harris, who I spoke to at the end of the festival on the Sunday.
2: I had my usual pre-festival nerves where I go, this is never going to happen, no one's going to turn up, it's going to be a disaster. Musically, it's going to be horrendous. Everyone's okay. going to hate it. We're going to lose all our funding. That's going to be it. I'm going to go back to Scotland with my tail between my legs. And actually, from the moment that Alex and Nathan stepped on stage and started playing, it's was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've just loved the kind of mad variety of things. I mean, you know, to be able to walk from corner nogue into listening to Eilish Noreen's new premiere at, um, at in rehearsal with the RT concert orchestra. They're so different, those things. And then I went into the gnarly AGM and listened to the improv that was going on there. I mean, really, it matches your head in, I think, a good way.
0: I'd like to ask you about the the kind of developmental aspects of the festival. And, you know, one of the th- themes that's kind of very strong for me uh, this year is the fact that there there are a lot of uh, presentation of works in progress or, you know, the culmination of, um, you know, professional development, where, uh, you know, opportunities for composers. Talk to me about the importance of presenting those kinds of things.
2: They're very dear to my heart. The people who are writing for the big orchestras or the people who are writing the final polished work, that doesn't come from nowhere. That's, there's a very, very, very long period. I mean, I estimate it's basically, from when you decide I want to be a composer and, and start going and getting trained to actually being able to like write an orchestral piece, whatever, it's 10 to 15 years. Mm. It's a long time. I'm seriously only going to present those people who've done that apprenticeship you know are you mad so what you have to do is encourage people right from the very beginning so you know creative lab which is the the sort of probably the most outreachy of all of them we even have brass fest which is five emerging composers who did small earth works last year, now writing for youth brass bands from across Ireland. We have third year in co-writing for the corner nogue, and, and then there's the explicitly developmental things like Crash Works or Choral Sketches, where it's professional development, the professional singers, absolutely beady eyes on these pieces. Right, guys. You know, we're gonna nail down into these and see what's gonna go on. And then you have the finished stuff. So it's it, it to some degree it is also showing people where it comes from, but it's also giving people those first senses of, oh, I'm a composer. I'm in this thing. You know, I'm making this thing. And um and that's just incredibly important for people to understand their their, you know get their sense of self sorted out really you know
3: My name's Peter Moran. I'm a composer. Uh, I'm also the director of a number of Gamelan orchestras in Dublin uh, as well.
0: So, Peter, uh, we're, we're just finishing up the Choral Sketches uh, event at New Music Dublin. Tell me about your piece and your kind of experience of, of uh, participating in this programme.
3: Well, my experience of this programme started with writing uh, some of my first choral music. I'd only written one piece before. And once I got into it, I realized that my choral writing was much more formulaic than my instrumental writing. I didn't have enough experience writing for choir to realize what habits my my thinking was locked into. So through the process of doing sketches and deliberately focusing on sketches that explored techniques that I would never normally think of exploring for choral writing, it really opened up my technique a lot. So I got to produce eventually a selection of sketches that all explored techniques and approaches that I I never would have got to um, before, so that was a great starting point. For this piece in particular, another thing I was trying to do during this process of composing during lockdown was to marry my compositional practice with my meditation practice. This particular composition, which is called Mantra, is taken directly from my own experience of chanting mantras and allowing the music to flow from the mantra in the meditation so after i finish my meditation i'll then go away and compose the music that came out of that experience
4: I'm Owen Desmond, I'm a base in Chamber Choir, Ireland, and I was choral mentor on the Choral Sketches programme. One of the interesting things about the Choral Sketches project is its sort of intention is to bring in composers who are already accomplished composers but maybe haven't considered writing for choir before, and what I found was some of them had very fixed ideas of what choral writing could and should be, and a lot of what I did was sort of nudge them towards the kind of music, contemporary music, that the Chamber Choir does a lot of, which is really pushing at the idea of what choral music can look like on the page and sound like. And uh, I think we've heard today three extremely different pieces, all of which are really pushing at that sort of idea of what, what choral music is. Peter, he does a lot of work with Gamelan, Um, a lot of his work is in sort of Southeast Asian um, ethnomusical traditions, and I think he had written some sketches which were very much drawing on that tradition, but then other sketches which seemed to feel like he almost felt the need to write this four-part harmony choral style thing and I, just, I was really pushing him to just forget about that yeah. and really focus on what is the sort of philosophical idea behind the rest of his output and there's no reason that choral music can't draw on that yeah. just as much as any of the rest of his writing.
3: But I never would have thought to bring elements from those meditation practices into my composition practice. They, they had been quite different things to my mind previously. But this Choral Sketches programme kind of opened up my thinking on that.
0: All the three pieces were performed twice, or, or parts of it, if it, it were, were performed a second time around after discussion from the conductor Paul Hillier and interactions with the composers. But what was very interesting about your piece was, um, well maybe you'll describe what, what happened because it was one of those kind of nice, unexpected things.
3: It started with a question from the audience when someone asked the group, what is the meditation experience like for them, are they meditating while they're singing or are they drawing on that kind of um, experience and the singers observed that they have to focus very much on the singing but Paul the director then commented that if they didn't have an audience and the choir simply stood in a circle and sang to each other they might be able to let go of the reins a bit more and sink more into that meditation. And so in the discussion that followed, another audience member said, uh, before you sing it again, do you think you could arrange yourselves in a circle and give us that experience? Mm-hmm. So that was a quite unexpected and spontaneous thing. And I think there was a bit of a buzz about the room as the choir said, oh, can we, should we? And then and the, we all kind of wondered. So they spread out and encircled the entire audience and then sang that second half of the piece where all the voices are, are out of sync. And it was really just beautiful. As the, as the overlapping, cascading voices leapt from one side of the room to the other, There's the altos here and the sopranos there, then the tenors come in and the voices kind of swirled around us and it was a really beautiful moment, totally spontaneous, so I was really thrilled with that outcome of the, of the programme as well.
5: I'm David Bremner and I was participating in the, in the CMC's Crawl Sketches project with my piece "Words Broth. And it's a, a pool of really text that goes along the spectrum from the completely unintelligible to the intelligible. So that's what I'm interested in. And to, to use the same portion of text, if only that the same can never be, just those words, which uh, happens uh, to be an ambi- iambic pentameter. So this phrase is used for all of the material but it's not always audible because it's, it's either too fast or too too breathy to be fully perceived. So some of them might be slowing down and some of them might be speeding up. So there's, it's in a permanent state of flux, so that's why I'm thinking of the, the fluidity and I'm thinking of the, the broth, the soup kind of bubbling away with this text and occasionally these um, fragments of intelligible kind of matter float to the surface. So again, it's like a lot of my work that focuses on text. I'm very interested in using a small pool of text and just having that um, recombine in different ways. The text that I mentioned, if only that the same can never be, but it's not set musically, or it's not set on stave notation, it's set as on a an empty stave, so as a contour, so as, as the shape, so it's, if only that the same can never be. The idea is that the singer should always follow that pattern so that the audience then, we sort of get a subliminal effect of recognizing this pattern, always the same contour applying to the same words. So what they do with the material is they apply it to different ranges, different speeds, and different um, timbres from breathy to normal, normal singing. And those are mostly in a state of flux, so normally they're changing gradually. You know, one singer might be gradually kind of um, speeding up from slow um, to fast, or you know, the other might be doing the opposite.
0: You have quite a pedigree in in writing for voices and using text. So choral music is a, a very familiar and, and, and natural um, domain of your work. For this particular project, what were your kind of goals for the the the, the piece, or, or or you know, did you use this as an opportunity to do something that you maybe wouldn't ordinarily do, or use the capability of of chamber choir La- Ireland, which are you know professional choir, or you know what what was your thinking
5: behind that? My aim was to experiment, uh, as you say. I've, I've I've quite a background in choral music. As I well was I was a um, a chorister, cathedral chorister, and uh, from when I was a child as well, so I've been sort of immersed in, in choral music for for most of most of my life. But I think there's always there's always things I want to try out. There's things I don't know whether they'll work or not. And in a project like this, the project, the kind of structure that this Choral Sketches project has, really facilitates that facilitates that experimentation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can take choral ideas that um, I'm not sure whether they because you never really know, no matter what your expertise is in 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 working in a particular with a particular medium, particular area. Uh, you don't really know whether it's um, it's going to work without trying it. If you're if you're doing something that's more more on the experimental edge of things, which this was, it was wonderful to have the opportunity to, to work with Chamber Choir Island, who I've never I've never worked with before before this. So that was um, an excellent part of the, the project as well. And the workshop itself, we
0: got to hear your piece twice, and there were two very different performances. Um, talk to me about that, and and maybe how you experienced that kind of interaction with you know with Paul Hillier and some of the things that you
5: you you know you discussed in or, or he discussed with you in relation to the to the piece. Paul's such a massive figure and, you know, and has so much expertise in sort of um not a question of getting through the music but thinking how the music comes across. I thought it was great that the thing was structured in such a way that there could be you know, we could have two runs where we could talk about the piece in between. From the previous workshop I had made some changes from from that but they actually still need to be revised further in that same direction which was in terms of the using more extremes of dynamics and of of of, of timbres and paul was uh, was pointing that out and kind of moving in 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 that direction as well so it was it was it was, it was great yeah no, i think maybe i may have to brought up that, um any of the stuff that's supposed to be breath and loud maybe i shouldn't be bringing up the dynamic references like exactly when
0: All of these pieces are sketches, you know, and sketches implies something that is incomplete or not mm. quite finished. How far are, do you feel you're, you're off or this particular uh, piece is from, from a kind of finished work once once you make uh, whatever particular
5: revisions you, you feel you need to, to, to make or if any? Well, I think it's, it's, it's pretty close um, and it's handy to have the, 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 the chat were during the during the piece rather than just having the performance today. I think, because I would, so I would probably just adjust a few dynamics. We were talking; it's interesting. The, you know, when singers are um, not coordinated within the parts, say within the soprano line, and they're they're out of sync with each other, and also if they're they're breathy, obviously that's going to make the music tend to be a lot quieter than if they were coordinated and um, singing non-breathy. So if I was yeah, if I was fixing the score, I think I would I would just bring some of those dynamics up. Yeah. Other than that, I think, I i, I, I mean, myself, it's kind of, it's, it's probably not to everyone's taste, but it's kind of what I'm aiming to do as a composer is how it came across. Yeah. So I was happy with it. Yeah.
6: Honky Tonk in Cleveland, Ohio by Carl Sandburg. It's a jazz affair. Drum crashes and cornet razzes, the trombone pony neighs and the tuba jackass snorts, the banjo tickles and titters too awful, the chippies talk about the funnies in the papers, the cartoonists weep in their beer, ship riveters talk with their feet to the feet of floozies under the tables, a quartet of white hopes mourn with interspersed snickers, I got the blues, I got the blues. I got the blues. And as we said earlier, the cartoonists weep in their beer. I'm Carrie Hagan. I am a composer based in Limerick, and I write for acoustic instruments as well as electronic music. It was entirely inspired by the poem itself. Uh, Carl Sandburg wrote the poem in the 1920s about Cleveland, Ohio. I picked it because I wanted an onomatopoeic text, but when I found this particular poem it resonated so much with um, social issues of today, a hundred years later, that I ended up composing more around the meaning of the poem, uh, as well as just using the onomatopoeic syllables as part of the texture of the piece. I embraced the obvious things because I wanted to exaggerate that kind of veneer that the poem is suggesting. You know, you're in this Speak easy and everyone's having this great time, but it's it's just on the surface. There's all this ugliness underneath. So, in in reading the text, I, I went with the obvious direction to go in. So it's a jazz affair. The opening is you know using these jazz chords and um, and and this body percussion and it isolates out the onomatopoeic syllables and and makes a noisy mess of it. And then um, with the words like the cartoonists weep in their beer, I did. Um, sort of uh, Baroque word painting of the word weep with falling glissandi and things like that. And then um, really exaggerated the word mourn by using it as an opportunity to use muted and opened vowel sounds or, or vo- uh, voice. So, so I um, kind of just took every sound and word and just made it as exaggerated as possible. I have never written for a chamber choir before and I've only occasionally written for solo voices, which is a different animal altogether. As a result, in the beginning of the process, what I was composing was incredibly conservative. I was worried about being outside of vocal ranges and giving enough time for breath and, oh, can these people hear when you have glisses, can they do these complex glisses and things like that? And um, Owen came in and said, all of this is more than singable. Push it out, and I did, and it was a great experience as a result. How did you find that that
0: kind of whole workshop experience? Because it it is kind of it must be a little bit daunting as a composer to kind of put yourself out there or present a piece, have a piece presented in this kind of context when there are kind of questions from the you know from the conductor, from the musicians, or maybe from the audience.
6: Yeah, I think um, composers probably have a lot of experience uh, working with performers and conductors in the development of new pieces. That's not uncommon. You're absolutely right though, it's downright terrifying to have a piece that's sort of in progress, that hasn't been refined, that hasn't been practiced in front of an audience.
4: It's a very brave thing as a composer to give people unfinished pieces, not even unfinished pieces, but like not, not even drafts, but to go, these are my ideas. I don't know if they can be done I don't know I don't necessarily even know what it's going to sound like can we try it out in front of an audience
6: I've been composing for 30 years now, and I don't think I've experienced nerves like I did this morning, um, for at least 25 of those 30 years. And it brought me back to early, you know, just it was when I was a young composer and trying things out, and things could go wrong. You know, that so that experience, like uh, that that question is like, is is this going to go horribly wrong? It's not a question that I have to ask myself usually, mm-hmm. and I did today, which was exciting. I don't. I don't think I want to do it all the time, but (laughs) I really had a good time going back to that nervous, questioning, experimental state, you know, that you lose after composing for a long time.
0: So we're
7: here at the Crashworks Concert, maybe you might introduce yourself Anselm. Yeah, so my name is Anselm McDonnell and I'm a composer from Belfast and uh, I'm delighted that I'm one of the composers working with Crash over like a sort of year, year and a half residency. So today we showcased uh, some of the works in progress that uh, we're working on, tried out a couple of different sounds and then we'll be, we, we'll be turning those into full pieces for next year's New Music Dublin. So tell me about your piece and the experience of of working under this programme. So my piece is called Honnold and it's based on a rock climber who made a sort of record-breaking climb of uh, El Capitan cliff face in Yosemite National Park without any ropes. Um, And there's an amazing documentary about it. I wanted to respond to that in some way musically. And working with Crash has been fantastic in that regard because... There were a lot of the sounds that were experimental, attaching objects to the instruments and so on, and weren't things that I could imagine in my head what they would come out like. So the process has been quite collaborative with Crash, you know, emails back and forth to the players, asking for sort of sound clips of how, how stuff will actually work and so on. Um, and then hearing it today was just fantastic and hearing how it all comes together.
8: I haven't heard the sound of this yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. Shall we have a listen for the for the for the rulers? Uh, yes, absolutely
7: oh, Thank you um, and could we try once more with the ruler in um, yeah with the ruler back in please And Can we hear the ricochet um, I'm coming away with even more ideas now that I've heard those sounds of what I can do with those and what I can create. And that's probably
0: something that you wouldn't ordinarily get the opportunity to do in a straightforward commission. Uh, yes, and, and that's
7: very much why I've taken the opportunity to work in this way, because you know I, I, I write a lot of stuff that uses sort of more traditional techniques with the instruments as well and I love that and I and I enjoy that, but uh, when I get the opportunity to work so closely with the musicians, it's a great chance for me to really push my understanding of the instrument and the boundaries of what I know that they can do um, and crash Crash's players obviously are fantastic at sort of enhancing and encouraging my madness in that regard. was interested in ways of distorting the instrument sound and later I'll be doing that with electronics as, as well but ways of distorting the instrument sound that don't actually damage the instrument itself so you know using things like fridge magnets in the piano uh, instead of screws and, and so on you know they're all they're all very uh, although they require attaching things to the instrument they're very non-invasive uh, yeah. techniques but really dramatically change and reimagine the sound and I think makes me think about the instruments themselves quite differently for example the paper clips attached to the strings are make quite a very thuddy sound they remove a lot of the high frequencies Um, and so the instruments then the string instruments to me become more percussive instruments and so I write for them in a different uh, uh, sort of in a different way than I would normally.
8: I'm Peter Billowan. I'm a conductor from the Netherlands. I live in Amsterdam and I've been based there for Many many years, and uh, as a conductor, I work all over the world. I'm basically uh, work a lot with uh, symphony orchestras, and uh, when I mean all over the world, North America, South America, Asia. And uh, but um, f- f- strangely enough, this is my very first time uh, coming to Dublin, coming to Ireland. Oh. So it's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, an even greater pleasure to be part of New Music Dublin. I'd been told before that we will be doing this project and that the young composer would be handing in their scores uh somewhere around now I think it was about two weeks ago so it was very short preparation time on my side to be able to look at their scores and see what was going on. But it was part of the project in fact is work in progress. So look at the score together with the musicians, with the composer and see where it's going and see what what's there now how's that working what's good what isn't and then uh, how to, how to move it into the future we had one session before this altogether and some of the composers had individual sessions with some of the players from Crash even around that for instance uh, Laura Highland had written something in her score which was so unusual she doesn't have the notation background that, that that most of us have in this, uh, you know, classical field and so she'd written some things that needed explaining and working out and so they'd already spent a good hour working that out before before we met uh, all together. And but basically we had an hour and a half session uh, a, a few days back and then said okay, what can we do now that's useful and then to, to, to give a, a, an honest presentation of the piece uh, here on friday i often find it can be it can be quite a daunting thing
0: for the composer to be in front of the public almost having to
8: defend or explain his or her music i find that composers find it daunting to be in front of the musicians because the musicians are looking at the notes oh you've written something that's unplayable you've written i don't understand what you've written here and and especially you know orchestras it's even worse because it's such a large group and you can have 30 people ask Asking questions at the same time, and you, and then you have a conductor who maybe you know can be a, a, a bit of a big personality in the mix as well. So um, I've, I, the, the interaction between the the musicians and the composer is is, is always well, which a, a na- there is a natural tension there yes. a natural tension to get somewhere because the composer is coming with an intent and, and they hope to reach it and something that even happened with one of the composers in this process they came in and said oh well actually just do yeah if you want then just do it the way you you think is right and then uh, she came in the next next session and said actually I had thought about it and I want you to know I, I I take that back a little bit I really did mean what I wrote it's just we need to find how we can get it and and I think those are fascinating fascinating parts of the process.
9: My name's Amy Rooney and I am a composer based in Newry, in County Down. My piece was called Disequilibrium and it reflects on our auditory system and how we hear and the balance with which we hear and um, to do that today I use dynamics so within the group the instruments have their own dynamic line which is quite unusual in an ensemble where they usually all have the same instruction. So it's just about a a dense texture of sound where there are subtle rises and falls within the ensemble.
0: Tell me about your kind of practice in musically, where you come from.
9: Well, I studied music in Queens and I did a PhD there. So most of my scores would be fully notated and um, very much precisely what I want rather than, you know, sometimes more vaguely. I've done that before, actually, Aleatoric Works, but I think I'm at a point now where I kind of know what I want. So the scores are very heavily notated, very precise very much know what I want. And I think in a rehearsal, it's easier that way, because if something doesn't go your way, it was your fault. You didn't write it in, you know, so it all falls on you. But it's it's a good way. It, it achieves clarity. I think with the performers, you, you give a clear sense of what you want and then they can give it back.
0: Yeah. And of course, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, top musicians in a group like the Crash yeah. Ensemble, that's an awful oh, lot easier, yeah. isn't it?
9: Absolutely. I mean, they're unbelievable, the detail that they can take from the score. Like even the other day they did what they were calling a run-through and it was just incredible. They're just such talented players and they're so used to each other, I think, as well. They're such a well-established ensemble that they read each other so well and, you know, it's just it's remarkable what they produce.
0: Amy Rooney's Disequilibrium, performed at this year's New Music Dublin Festival by the Crash Ensemble and conductor Peter Billowen. Finally, we have a short conversation with composer and Ergodus co-director Gareth Shaldas. And Yvonne, Ergodas were one of a number of record labels that were involved in New Music Dublin, not only participating in the record fair, but also as programmers.
1: That's right Jonathan and that's something that John Harris as Artistic Director of the Festival commenced back in 2020 with the Diatribe stage and it's really great to see it continuing because it means that New Music Dublin really is taking in different aspects of the sector and the festival began with a curated concert by Ergodos and that was Nathan Sherman and Alex Petku linking into the release of their new album Totemic and also then in the course of the weekend we had a number of concerts and performances curated by Diatribe record label and that was in their diatribe room upstairs in the National Concert Hall and again linked in with releases by by that label. So I suppose, Jonathan, it really brings to audiences a live experience of what's available on the Argodus and the Diatribe record labels. And that's really a, a great privilege and a great treat to get to hear these artists, especially after um, the COVID years, that we get to hear these artists live in, in, in both uh, curated concerts by Argodus and by Diatribe.
0: So here is Gareth Sholdis on Ergodos's programme during New Music Dublin and some thoughts on running a record label in 2022.
10: My name is Gareth Sholdis. I'm a composer and I am co-director of the Ergodos uh, record label production company with Benedict Shepper connolly We are here... Uh, Today at the moment, doing a record fair as part of Gnarly, National Association of Irish uh, or Record Labels in Ireland, uh, which is sort of a collective of independent record labels, people like Raylock Records, Diatribe, Heresy, and ourselves, our um, And that's a that's a, a, a really special thing to be able to come here with all these other labels and um, actually talk, talk. We get to talk to each other, and we also get to like. Um, Sell our wares to the public, which is fantastic. Um, we also get involved in an AGM, which is actually a performance, kind of a very Cajun performance, uh, where we all we all we all perform in a, within a sort of a time structure uh, devised by Nick Roth at Diatribe Records, which is really really fantastic. Uh, but Errolis are also here as um, curators as well. We had the opportunity to come in and do a little kind of sub-curation for John Harris, um, doing a, a performance on Thursday night in the festival with Tanta, um, where we curated a programme for the Chapel Royal uh, Vocal Ensemble, uh, Tonta performing new works by Katerina Skembrie, um, commissioned work, um, and Schieffer Quinlan, also a commissioned work, and we put those together with 15th century polyphony and uh, also some experimental vocal work by Eve maria Hoben, another world premiere, and uh, Christian Wolff and Alvin Lucia, who of course died last year. Sort of a meditation on memory and, and grief and loss. And then on on Friday night we brought over Avenue Azur Dutch uh, viol- um, guitar piano duo Saskia Lankoorn and uh, Pete Harden these amazing kind of uh, luminaries of, of contemporary music uh, both playing in ensemble clang but both soloists and composers and they have this duo project kind of very um, haunted kind of electronica project um, also with, with, with these beautiful pellucid um, uh, guitar and piano tones as well so that, that's been a joy so um, we also had a record launch on Thursday uh, the, this project with Nathan Sherman and Alex Petko, uh, Totemic, this, this record, they, they played a gig and we got to, we got to launch this, this, uh, this new album. So it's been a busy weekend for us and we're, we're really happy to be here and part of the ecosystem.
0: It's a record label part of, of your operation that I wanted to talk to you about uh, coming off the back of the pandemic, obviously two years yeah, of the pandemic, yeah, yeah. where, you know, the only option for many people was recordings yes. uh, during that time. Yes. And I kind of what I wanted to ask you, what, what, what is it like producing records in... 2022 post pandemic you know compared to because you've been at this like quite a long time for a little while i suppose the 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 difference is that um
10: digital like digital production is has become so emphasized that actually in, in in a way people are paying Ever more attention to records, even though it's a it's a as we all know a totally flooded market. But the records, the 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 record in the with the capital R sense, like the, the record of the music, the documented music, is becoming more and more and more important. And the 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 standard of of of, of production uh, that that bar is now so high. Uh, so we I suppose we're we're just really doing our best to. To meet that standard and to curate projects that are that feel that feel congruent within within our mission as a as a as a label, I mean, in this sea of content, labels are ever more important because it's like it's a a, a, a kind of I it's it's like a it's someone saying, hey, no, just come over here and like yeah. look at this stuff, yeah. and we really feel passionate about this stuff. Yeah, it's
0: curation. Yeah,
10: precisely. Yeah, and and so that that's it. I mean, I think maybe curation is the is the is the thing that's becoming ever, ever more important. Mm,
0: mm. And, uh, you know, like just before we, we started to record, you were saying that, you know, a, re- a record doesn't feel like it's been released until it's available in some tangible visi- digital format, yeah. or, or, or physical, physical format. format. It, 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 you know, we do a lot of stuff that's digital only. It's
10: great that we get to do stuff that's digital only now, and and, and it's still, we can still kind of give it its moment, but at the same time, um, it's, uh, it. it, it well, I guess, yeah, it just, it feels like when, when, particularly at events like these, when we have something physical, it, it just, it, it manifests it in a very specific way. And so we, we do try, even when we, when we have digital only records, we, myself and Benedict are always kind of saying, well, down the line, maybe when the moment is right, when we get some funding, maybe we, you know, we, can, we can do a physical version. And uh, I suppose that's, that's always our aspiration. For, for everything that we do is that we will have a physical a physical version of it. I mean, um, the ritual of sitting down, putting on a record, CD or, or vinyl or whatever, whatever it is. Th- there's something about there's something about the physical object that, that that kind of wants you to engage with it more in a more concentrated way. and uh, I think I think that's still sort of part of what, of the way we think.
0: Benedict Schlepper-Connolly's One Thing I Know from the album Totemic from Ergodos Records, ending this episode featuring some of the conversations recorded during this year's New Music Dublin Festival. That's all for this week. We'll be back shortly with more. Until then, thanks for listening.